Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, We are jumping back into the study of John. We'll be in chapter 10 this, this week today, so make your way over to John chapter 10. Allow me to ask you a question. Who or what has your ear? Who or what has your ear? Because we listen to someone or something to guide our life. And so the question is this, what are you listening to today? Because I guarantee you that you're listening to something or someone and that voice or that person or thing which is steering your life plays a critical role. And how successful or tragically you navigate this world will depend upon who or what has your ear and your attention. And if it's anything but God and His Word, then then brothers and sisters, you're headed for trouble or worse. Jesus gave us a a stern and sobering warning about this in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, because the word falls upon us and it, and it, it, it changes us, it directs us. Jesus said, listen! There's an exclamation point behind that. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, who's the sower? The sower, you know, we get seed in various ways. It might be during your private Bible uh, uh, study during the, the week, your quiet time. Definitely right now, your pastor is sowing the word. I'm going to sow it to you. I'm going to sow to you uh, s- some 44 verses of truth of seed this morning, and it's going to fall upon you. It might be a midweek Bible study. It might be while you're listening to the radio, to some other pastor, but the seed is being sown. So who, the sower is he who sows the word. And it, verse 4, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Now, a few verses down, Jesus explains this parable to his disciples. And we learned there that that the birds represent the devil himself. The devil wants to rob the seed that you're hearing right now. It's falling in your ears. And what you do with it is up to you. David Jeremiah, my mentor, um, used to tell a story that his concern, one of his greatest concerns and, and fears, I guess, was that as people left the auditorium after he preached for 40-some minutes, that as they went under the exit sign there, that was an eraser that would erase their brains. And that by lunchtime, you couldn't remember anything. And, uh, and I would say amen to that because I've done it. I, I, an hour later, I've gone, what did he preach on, you know, or what did I just hear? We got to be active listeners or the devil will steal the seed from us. So how do we protect it? Well, we stay engaged. We take notes. You know, we, we listen, we look for application and things that apply to us that we might want to go out and apply to our lives and allow to impact us on a daily basis. Continuing on, some of the seed fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. 
But when the sun was up, it scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Now, those are my favorite weeds to pull. You know, the weeds where the little, the little weed doesn't really get a chance to start, and when you pull it up, it just pops right out, and you see the, you know, the, the roots, and you got the roots and all. But I hate those ones that you're trying to pull and pull, and you break it off, and you've left you know, that nub in the ground, and you know it's going to come back in a month. It had no depth of earth. These are people who hear the word, have an emotional connection to it. They would even agree with it. They like it. It, 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 it kind of scratches their itch, so to speak. But it never goes deeper than an emotional felt connection. And since feelings are transient, depending on what's going on in your life, it's quickly gone from their hearts and their mind. It never makes its way all the way into their heart to change them. And so when trouble comes, they find out that their faith is very shallow and not enough. Verse 7, And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. The thorns represent the distractions of this world, fame, riches, wealth, worldly pleasures, power, which crowd out the voice of God and prevent us from being able to hear our shepherd's voice. They shout very loudly. And if we're not careful, if we're not attentive to listen to what the Lord is saying, we, they, his word gets drowned out by the world. Oh, but here's the good news, verse 8. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100 now, this ground is that rich dirt. You know, we live in a, in a place where there's farming and farmland, and I'm sad to see it going away as more and more houses get built. I love the farmland. And you drive by, and you, you, know, you roll the window down, and you smell the rich earth, and you know, they're out there tilling the soil, preparing it for the seed to fall into it. It's ready to go. What is the good ground? It's the person's heart who is prepared to receive the word. And it's not done willy-nilly, which is a Greek word meaning by chance. Okay? <laughs> okay, this half is, is awake and has a good sense of humor. <laughs> but it's ready to go into the... Their hearts are ready to receive the word. And, uh, and in so doing, they lay up treasures in heaven that'll be awaiting their arrival because they're ready to do the word. They're ready to receive the work. They're ready to act upon the word. They're worshiping before the music starts, before the word is taught or read. They're already worshiping. These people are prepared to hear their God speak to them when they come to church or when they open the word of God. They expect God is going to speak to them. They maintain a heart of worship, which is the soundtrack of their lives. They read a solid devotional each morning and ruminate on it several times during the day, even sharing it with other people as they come in contact with them. Oh, that's just like what I read this morning. Did you know Jesus said thus and such? And they encourage somebody because they're ready. They've already prepared themselves. Their soil is ready to receive the word, and they want to share it with others. They maintain hearts of worship by singing praise music throughout the day. 
And by doing these things, they develop the ability to hear and recognize the good shepherd's voice. They know his voice because they spend time with him and they recognize his voice. True sheep recognize their shepherd's voice and are guided by it. When last we were in John, we saw Jesus heal the blind man, and the blind man became a believer of Jesus, confessing him as the Messiah, even to the Pharisees, who uh, that was a dangerous thing to do. And the Pharisees remained in their spiritual blindness by choice because they would rather stay in power than give their power to the Messiah. They reject God's voice, and those Uh, those teachings that Jesus, the seed that was dropped right in front of them in their lap, you know, we saw the blind man being healed. He goes in, he gives a testimony and goes, hey, all I know is that I was blind and now I see and Jesus was the one that healed me. And that makes the the Pharisees angry. They kick him out of church. They kick him out of the temples. You're not allowed in here again. And so off he goes. He's not going to recant. He knows that that this man healed him, and he's going to give him glory. And so Jesus now is going to use the shepherd and the sheep analogy and the wolves. And so let me introduce you to the player. The wolves are the Pharisees. They're always standing at the perimeter where Jesus is speaking. They're always listening to what he's saying. They are waiting for him to violate Moses' law so they can pounce on him and stone him. They just want to kill him. Then you've got the sheep. You have those in Israel, the, the, the sheep that are listening to Jesus, and they're, they're trying to decide what he's saying and if it's true. So they're listening. And the sheep of Israel are the Jews. Jesus came to the Jews first. And then, of course, the good shepherd is standing right in front of them, Jesus himself. On our first trip to Israel, Debbie and I had an unsaved Jewish tour guide, a bus guide, And as we left the wilderness of the Jordan Valley down near Jericho, which is uh, below sea level, actually, um, and as we began to climb up uh, the Jericho Road, the side of the old Jericho Road, the highway there, and we were headed up towards Jerusalem, I spotted a flock of sheep in the distance being led by a shepherd about a half a mile away. And it was like I was transported into time. It was like, you know, A.D. 33, because... I can't believe there's a shepherd out there walking and here's all these sheep just following right behind him wherever he went. And I commented on it to our guide and he informed me that the Israeli shepherds led their flocks from the front rather than driving them from the rear like most every other country does. He said the sheep's life is entirely dependent upon hearing the shepherd's voice since their eyesight is so poor, they can hardly see very far, but their ears are really good. We drove in silence for a few minutes, and I ruminated on how profound those words were. Him not being a Christian, him not knowing who Jesus is, and if he knew a little bit about Jesus, he has rejected him. And yet he made such a powerful and profound statement that the sheep while they cannot see their shepherd, know his voice intimately and will follow him wherever he goes. Who are you following? Who are you listening to this morning? Whose voice has your ear? Bob Crabtree, the agriculture 
uh, superintendent of Ohio, the state of Ohio, to, uh, he tells a story of watching two shepherds come together in the middle of a rural road. Between them, they, he estimated there were 300 sheep uh, that these shepherds had between them, and the flocks had come together. The shepherds had met in the middle of the road, and they were talking. Bob just drove up, and he shut his car off. That's what you do in their society. You don't hurry other people. They're standing right in the middle of the road, and they're having a conversation that shepherds have, I guess. And he had to wait as they talked. And then suddenly, Bob began to wonder, how are these shepherds ever going to figure out whose sheep is who? They've all just done this, you know. And how are they ever going to say, oh, is that yours? No, I think it's mine. No, that's not what happened. Because as the two began to part ways, one of the shepherds who was leaving first turned and began to walk back out into the field. And in a low voice and in his own language, he started saying something. He was bidding his sheep to come, come, come. And the sheep, his sheep followed him, every one of them. The others, mm -mm, they stayed there. When their shepherd began to walk away, he did the same thing. And though his sheep began to follow him. And he just sat there in his car, stunned that these sheep would do that. The sheep knew their shepherd's voice. In another country, Bob shared about seeing one shepherd being very mean to his sheep. The shepherd was not in front of the sheep leading them. No, he was in the back and he was driving them forward. As the shepherd drove the sheep, he kicked them if they dawdled, and he would hit them with a stick if they wondered. Come to find out it was not the shepherd at all, but rather a butcher from the local slaughterhouse leading them to slaughter. I could stop right now. We could pray, and I could walk away, and I hope you'd have a message. Who are you listening to this morning? Because the good shepherd wants to lead you into green pasture, while our enemy, the devil, wants to lead us to the slaughterhouse. That's his plan for your life. What a powerful illustration. The Bible uses the metaphor of sheep and shepherds many times in the Bible. It's an analogy that was familiar to the listener here that Jesus is talking to, of course, part of their agrarian culture. The image of shepherds and flocks are throughout both the Old and the New Testament. Uh, King David wrote songs about shepherds, and of course, he began his life as one. Jesus spoke several times about shepherds, and Paul refers to the elders, the, the pastors of the church as shepherds when he gives them a stern warning, careful, you've got God's sheep, and you're responsible for them. And that just sends chills down my spine. I want to be sure to steward the sheep that God's put in my life. In John chapter 10, Jesus uses the powerful picture to reveal a little bit more about himself, his followers, uh, his, to his disciples, and, and to even the, the Pharisees standing there. Uh, the story here, remember, comes out of John chapter 9. The Pharisees kicked out the blind man who perhaps is, is still listening in the audience to all of this. Several of the Pharisees were, were now following Jesus, they said, just a chapter ago, in hopes that they would find him breaking the Mosaic law so they could put him to death immediately on the spot. They just want to kill him. So they're waiting for that moment. They are the wolves in the parable. In this interesting story of the shepherd and the sheep, Jesus wants to reveal himself 
to the lost, to the hurting, to those in need of hope. He's there for those people. And he wants to contrast the false shepherds, the charlatans, leading the the sheep to slaughter, to the good shepherd who came to lead them to greener pastures. And the sheep represent all of humanity, really, all people in need of the one who will lead them from, from darkness into light, from confusion to purpose, and from suffering into salvation and the hope that comes from knowing Jesus. Perhaps you find yourself unsure of who God is today or what the meaning of your life is. Maybe you're in the midst of a trial, a crisis, unsure of how you're going to move forward Can I assure you that Jesus, the good shepherd, if you will learn to hear his voice, he will take you exactly to where you want to be. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will protect you. And he will provide everything you need. He is the ultimate provider. And he will show you the way into greener pastures if you'll commit to following him today. In our chapter, Jesus contrasts himself to the false teachers in three word pictures that I want to give you. These are three word pictures. If you'd like to take notes, and I encourage everyone to do so, flip over your bulletin, and you can follow along and fill in the blanks. Let's begin reading verse 1 as we see word picture number 1, Jesus as the door to salvation. Jesus is the door to salvation. Verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus begins, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, I got to believe when he says thief and robber, he glances over at the Pharisees. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out picture that those two shepherds in the middle of the road they knew their shepherd's name or voice and they followed him away and when he brings out his own sheep he goes before them remember we talked about Jewish society, the shepherd leads from the front, not from behind. He doesn't drive his sheep anywhere. He leads them to where he wants to go. And Jesus says he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Not only did they hear his voice, but they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." The closer you draw nearer to God, the more time you spend in the Word, in prayer, in worship, and ruminating on the Word, you will become a discerner of truth. And when you hear something from another uh, teacher that is false, you will immediately go, something's wrong with what he said. You may not be able to point it out, but you're going to go, something's wrong with what he just said. This guy's a charlatan. Don't listen to this guy. He's not teaching the word. If you know the word, you don't have to know the imposture. You just have to know what's true and follow it. Verse 6, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. This is the third time Jesus says he's the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, to the Jewish ears, shepherds represented uh, the great leaders of Israel, whether politically or spiritually speaking. Uh, Moses was a, a great shepherd that led the sheep out of, um, you know, from Pharaoh, Egypt. King David, the prophets like Nathan and Jeremiah are a few examples of how they led the people. We see this representation politically as well as spiritually speaking. It's important for us to understand practical shepherding in the year 30 A.D. when Jesus is talking here. Jesus begins his teaching by referencing the sheepfold. The sheepfold was a place of refuge that the sheep could go and they could lie down and sleep in safety while the shepherd went and did whatever he needed to do. We might call it a sheep pen or a corral, but in AD 30, it was usually a high wall that was made of stacked stones of rocks so that it would keep out thieves, it would keep out robbers, and it would keep out the wolves. It wasn't uncommon for multiple shepherds to lead their flocks into one large sheepfold because the sheepfolds could be any size. So if it was large enough, two shepherds, three shepherds could come along with their sheep and put all their sheep in one sheepfold. And then there would be a man that was hired to lay down at the door so that no one could come or go without his knowledge. And he was called, uh, well, our word might be porter. He would be the door porter. No one could come or go unless it was the shepherd coming to get his sheep. And of course, when one of the shepherds would come, he would do what, I, you know, what we just talked about. He would come and, and start calling his sheep. And then from this massive flock, his flock would appear and follow him out the door. The true shepherd comes in through the gate and the porter, the gatekeeper, recognizes the shepherd. I think that's my job, one of my jobs. I have to know the shepherd And I have to know the sheep, and I have to make sure they get together regularly, that they go with the right one. And just like in my illustration earlier, sheep will never follow the voice of a wolf or a thief. Why? Because the sheep knows his shepherd's voice. He spent time in the Word. He knows the truth from a lie. And he knows when the shepherd calls, I'm going with him. Keep in mind now that this story follows on the heels of the Pharisees. Uh, kicking this guy out of church, uh, actually wounding the sheep. The false shepherds inflicted hurt upon this man while Jesus took him into his own fold. The sheep in, in these initial verses now represent the people of Israel. Every faithful shepherd is sent by God and brings God's word to the sheep. No charlatans which ignore or worse pervert the word of God are wolves and robbers, and they must be avoided at all costs. And let me tell you, not only are Christians being divided in this world right now, because I believe and we're seeing a separation happen 
We're seeing the church get separated. Who are the true believers now? Are you really willing to stand upon the word of God, even though society is now saying that, you know, we're racist and all these other things? Are you going to stay with God? But I see, I also see teachers, pastors being forced to make a decision. Which way will you go, pastor? How do you stand on some of these issues? Well, I can only stand on the Word of God because that's all I have. I have the truth. And we're going to bring the truth. We're going to preach the truth. And we're going to do it in love. But we will not placate the world. It never works out well. Note here that Jesus came to the sheepfold that was being guarded by the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the shepherd, so to speak, or the porter of the sheep, of God's sheep. And God had had enough. And Jesus calls out to them, and he points them out. They're wolves, actually. Jesus wanted to lead them out of bondage, out of the law, and into freedom. So he took his flock. Now, there's an analogy here that the flock is the church. I'm looking at the flock. I'm one of you. This is the, this is, we're God's sheep. This is the pen that we're in this morning together to worship the shepherd. This is not a good time to wander out of the pen and into the wilderness, by the way. Jesus said very clearly, and the, word God, uh, the Word of God in Hebrew says, hey, don't wander off right now, especially as you see that great day approaching, but things are going to get really hard, things are going to get really hot and heated, and they are. Stay close to the sheep, stay close to the shepherd, stay close to the church, continue to worship God, continue to to ruminate on truth. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.